Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome back to a Bald Move Prestige film. Today we're going to be talking about Dazed and Confused, a 1993 coming-of-age romantic comedy. I guess it's more of a comedy. Not a lot of romance in this film. No. Uh, this was written and directed by Richard Linklater, uh, who also wrote and directed Slackers, the Before Trilogy, Boyhood, Scanner Darkly, and School of Rock. One of these things, not like the other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it stars Anthony Rapp, who you might have seen on Rent and Rent or Star Trek Disco. Joey Lauren Adams, uh, from Chasing Amy. She also got her start in Exorcist 2. Adam Goldberg, you've seen him in Saving Private Ryan, A Beautiful Mind, in Fargo Season 1. He played Numbers. Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Mia Jovovich from The Fifth Element, The Messenger, and the Resident Evil series. Rory Cochran from Empire Records and Argo. Apparently, Renee Zellweger's in this movie somewhere. She's, like, holding a beer bong in the background. Okay. Parker, po- Parker Posey, who's in You Got Mail, Best in Show. Uh, ben Affleck, we just uh, covered him this year in Goodwill Hunting and Armageddon. Marissa Rabisi, apparently Giovanni's got a twin sister. She's been mm. in this and Pleasantville, amongst others. And then uh, we also have um, Jason London, Sean Andrews, Christian Hino Josa, and Sasha Jensen, who have been in nothing else as far as I can tell, or nothing I've ever seen. And then all right, all right, all right. We got Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. From I Interstellar, sure do. True Detective. I have never seen this movie before in my whole entire life, and it was something else to watch. <laughs> I bet. You've got more experience with this film. Well, I want to hear you talk about it first. If you're wondering why we're covering right. this, is it it's the 30th anniversary coming up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this week we're the week that we're releasing this. Yes. It's insane that Richard Linklater made this movie when he's 29 years old. Um, but it's it's a 30th anniversary, and I believe, wasn't this also a, a voted to be covered by... Or no, this is just something we're doing for 30th anniversary. Yeah, I think so. Days and Confused, what do you think, Jim? How many times uh, have you seen it? I've only seen like it, it? One, other, one other time. Oh. Uh, and, and it was a while ago. I, I would say at least 10 years ago. And I remember really enjoying it, but I feel like I had a different perspective on it then. How old were you when you saw it? I I had to be like right around 30, is my guess. Late 20s, maybe? Interesting. I'm surprised. I want to hear how your perspective switched, because if I had seen this back... If I had seen this back in high school, I don't know that I would have related to it because my high school experience was nothing like this. Um, other thing, than the right? bullying and the hazing. Um, I yeah, I didn't I didn't interface at all with any of this part of the high school culture and it's bewildering to me. Um But like now as like a parent who's got a sixteen year old who's in the thick of it, it, it was interesting how much has changed and how many things have stayed the same. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and I was also shocked at how plot-free this movie is. Uh-huh. It's really about capturing a time and a place and a feeling. And I did kind of, because, like, you know, even though I wasn't running in these crowd, crowds, I still had the same kind of teenage angst of, like, is this all there is? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Am I disappointing the right people or, the, or seeking the wrong people's approval? Am I becoming a robot who's yeah. just going to do what? is expected of him and nothing else uh yeah but the, it was it was the, a the fun movie real, to watch I, I i yeah it's a hugely problematic movie right the characters in this movie are extremely problematic but i don't hold that against the movie itself because it is very much like a a slice of life of a particular time and place and you know these characters are characters but they're also not they're also just kind of real people uh, real teenagers and I the things that I related to that I understood were more like 
the attitudes of teenagers who are mm. carefree and, and in some ways, you know, good carefree in some ways, bad carefree. They don't think about the things they're doing and how they're affecting other people. They don't have a lot of the baggage, I guess that holds back a lot of adults from doing things that might be exciting or fun. Sometimes, you know, that's, like sitting on the 50 yard line of the football stadium smoking weed doesn't hurt anybody going through smashing mailboxes of people who didn't do anything to deserve it really does affect them so like th- there's this duality to everything i see on the screen here that is really just like picking at me while i'm watching this thing like do i do i enjoy watching this movie and why and i think the ultimate answer is yes because I don't have to condone what they're doing and I don't think the movie really condones it. The movie has like almost no perspective on it. Um, That's I got that in my notes. This movie has absolutely no moral perspective on what the teenagers are doing. It just uncritically yeah. observes them. And I think that that gives it a huge pass here. I, I don't think like, like if the movie was I think the movie does have a little bit of judgment in it, but not much. And it does kind of come down on the side that I view it as like the people here who are the worst offenders are probably going to pay a price for it. But not in this movie. They're going to pay the price by right. calcifying into some of the version, some of the things we see. You know, yeah, like I, if it has a moral perspective, it's more of like one that you get with the perspective of time. Because I don't know yes. that a 16-year-old watching this is going to be like, oh, these people are obviously doing things wrong. These people are obviously doing things right. And that's what I mean. Like my perspective has changed uh, here yeah. t- 10 plus years later from the first time I've seen it. I, I feel more of that like, oh, you're leading a life that is going to is going to send you down a path that you're going to regret. Even if you think right now you're having the time of your life, because it yeah. might be the time of your life, right? It might be the only time of your life. Yeah. And that I feel sad. I feel sorry for that kind of person. But we all know them, right? We know the people that peaked in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And like now with the wisdom of age, like I think if I could go, if I could go back and be a teenager again, I think I could pick out everyone in high school. I mean, there's always going to be some people to shock you in terms of ones you think are going to be successful and are not and vice versa. But a lot, you know, like there's um, the Ben Affleck character. Yeah. Like there's this really like, triumphant moment for other characters that just becomes this really sad moment where he Uh realizes that this is all this guy has and if he loses it what the fuck is he and the answer is nothing he's a loser and like what must it be like to feel because like i he's gonna lose it and then that's the thing he has to lose it because he's gonna age out of it (laughs) even matthew mcconaughey is gonna age out of it right and that's the thing I never I couldn't relate to that because I couldn't wait to get out of high school. I couldn't wait to get like to be an adult, mm-hmm. get on my own and get my like I, I thought that was when my life really launched. I can't imagine like the one guy says is like if this were the best years of my life, I think I want to kill myself. Um, I just can't imagine coming to the crushing realization that your life is already over at 18. <laughs> but I feel like I saw Ben Affleck realize that in this movie. Yeah, the thing, I feel like that's a slow creeping thing that happens to you, right? You don't realize that until 20 years later and you look back and go, oh shit, I haven't Right, done, look at all these All mists. I've done is work, right? Like that Matthew McConaughey character, he's like, yeah, right. I might go back to school, but I'm like, and you know, I got change in my pocket or whatever for his fancy pizza cutter wheel car. I, yeah, he's going to look back 20 years from now and be like, I have nothing now. And it's because I felt like that was something I tried to hold on to instead of moving forward. Yeah. So there's like there's like a point and it, there is something this is one of the most honest teenage movies I've ever seen too. Like it yeah, a lot of teenage movies glorify and glamorize the stuff that teenagers get up to and mm-hmm. like this doesn't. You know, the te- the kids are talking about sex more than they're having it. They mm-hmm. are drinking and doing a lot of drugs. Um their parties are not like the, you know, no one's going to some 5,000 square foot mansion in Beverly Hills to party. They're going out to the moon mm-hmm. tower, you know, where the, the far wave. I mean, that this is that that like this set in like 1970s Austin, Texas, which is portrayed as this small little sleepy town, which is another funny thing. Like I intensely related to like 
the set and setting like you know like what teenagers did to have fun like i do beverly hills 90210 that's like another fucking universe but yeah yeah this like i you know i never participated but i knew the people that did like i remember when the whole football team got busted with marijuana and they almost all you know they're all threatened with probate and this that and the other and, and i you know i know the cornfields people would go out to and uh it is an interesting slice of life because yeah it's like especially the younger ones the freshman actors i was really astonished by uh, particularly mitch his ability to be like an authentic teenager like mm-hmm. there's this one expression he made when someone was hassling him where he he put his he pinched his bread and started going like that where it's like i see that three times a day from my son you know <laughs> oh, and it's boy. just like it's just yeah. such an authentic <laughs> it's such an authentic like 14 year old boy performance mm-hmm. um and a guy who's like this is going to be your star quarterback mm-hmm. you know uh but it is also kind of effervescent it doesn't it, i don't I, I, it's not a movie that like sticks with you because it's not saying anything important it's just this is what it's like to be an angsty teenager growing up in the middle parts of the country yeah, I mean it's it's not saying anything important. I guess it's it's it kind of deals with important issues if you're a teenager, but it doesn't have much to say about them necessarily. It's more like right. a piece that encourages you to consider it. Yeah, because what can you? Because I, I was just I'm reflecting because I watch my son's misadventures and relationships and friendships and doing all this, and like I want to give him all this advice, but I'm like. It'd be weird for a 16 year old to have like the sensibilities and the life experience of a 40 year old, right? For sure. Yeah. Like part of be- defining being a kid is like fucking up, making mistakes, understand the d- dynamics and the things that you like versus. And so it's like a lot of this stuff isn't things you can teach. A lot of it has is stuff that you have to experience. You know, you have to have friends let mm-hmm. you down. You got to kind of run with the wrong crowd and see where it leads. You got. Or, you know, like, not those specific things. You Everyone has to make some of their own mistakes to figure things out. And I don't know. Like I said, it's even though this movie was made about a time, like, I will graduate high school 20 years after this film is set place. This film is contemporary as my high school. And now I finally watched it 20 years after. Mm-hmm. It's really weird because it's also interesting to see what things were the same between the 70s and the 90s when I grew up and what things are different and then what things have changed and are different from from now, from what I'm aware of, of, of essentially the same type of school systems now. And I thought that was another part of the charm of the movie. I do wonder if kids today, like if, if I'm a 16-year-old watching Days and Confused, do I relate to any of this? Yeah, that, that was my big question watching it. What does What does school life and being a teen look like today because it's so different? I mean... Yeah. I mean, I know it's still a lot of access to alcohol and drugs, but now I feel like it's a much more vape pen based sure. culture. You're and... concerned with the same things, but you you have access to a lot of different things that you just wouldn't, uh, like informationally and communicationally. And just like the dynamics between kids, I feel, have changed quite a bit. There's still, you know, the shitheads, the assholes, the bullies, oh, yeah. uh, those people. But I feel like a lot of the concerns of kids are probably different mm-hmm. and social media the internet's changed so much and all exactly. the other thing i found is like back then you could go into a corner store with five dollars and a smile if you're 14 years old and walk out the case of beer you i i i don't know i haven't been young for a while i take it for granted that it's almost impossible to buy alcohol as a teenager uh it's, it's it's impossible to buy alcohol as a 22 year old without an ID, you know. At this point, so like sure. I, you're you're really reduced to your cool old, older brother or sister, or some pervert that you can con into buying beer from. It's like it's it's a mm-hmm. lot, but I don't know. But it feels like the vape pens and edibles and things like that are just like way more. So it's I I thought that was interesting. Um, what do you think of the filmmaking? Uh, I want to start off with maybe talk about the soundtrack because this has got one of the oh. best soundtracks I've ever heard in a movie. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Such uh, a perfect distillation of a particular time mm-hmm. and feeling. Yeah, I think Almost Famous has maybe the runner-up best soundtrack, <laughs> but this one. thing is just a banger. 
it's and like, in terms of authenticity i know that was supposed to be yeah. what is a cameron crow what is this guy's name the guy that directed and written that that's supposed to be I his autobiographical so. story but like i didn't that all seemed entirely fe- made up and unrelatable whereas this it's like no i mm-hmm. i grew up mm-hmm. with some of these kids um sure how about how about the other aspects of the filmmaking do you think it was uh directed well I think so because I felt like the camera disappeared. I felt like I was just kind of embedded mm-hmm. in these scenes. There was nothing that was flashy. There was nothing that was like stood out of my mind. It was just solid meat and potatoes film. It felt, in fact, this feels much, this feels very much like a documentary in that the camera mm-hmm. doesn't have a regard. It just kind of, or an opinion. It's just kind of sitting there filming things and obviously putting things together in a certain order. And the, the way this film was made, oh, I understand there's a lot of like, iterative processes and working things through and improvisation and um, like Mia Jovovich's boyfriend was supposed to be the co-star of this film but I guess he just was fighting personal demons and wasn't working out so Linklater reduced his role and Matthew McConaughey which is just going to be kind of like a walk-on ended up taking all of his scenes and as a consequence we hardly get any Mia Jovovich she was supposed to be in a lot and they, he was just kind of like oh I guess all of Matthew McConaughey's dialogue is improvised and and written wow. on the set uh which is wild that it became this this Disturbing. iconic role um but yeah I, I found this movie surprising it was nothing like i thought i i thought it was going to be convinced you know the two-thirds of the movie i'm like okay well in the final third there's going to be a drunk driving accident there's going to be a trip to the jail the hospital the star quarterback is going to realize that he doesn't want to abandon his friends and throw away his opportunity and he's going to wise up and fly straight fucking nope nothing nearly that exciting or definitive happens so yeah he decides i might play but i'm, I'm not signing this and, and I, it I think feels, that feels right it feels it good. feels authentic to my childhood and where i remember growing up and especially being an adolescent just oceans of time to fill just fucking around and the kids like fuck around for the the better half of this movie because they were going to go to a party but the party got the kibosh put on it so everybody's just kind of like it's the last day of school there's going to be a big party but where's it going to be where's it going to be and in the meantime they're just going around getting in trouble beating up freshmen mm-hmm. uh flipping ball, bottle caps against walls just you know this 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 the standard stuff um yeah going to the arcade going playing pool just you know whatever you do I feel like Richard Linklater is one of the big American filmmakers that I don't have a handle on because I've I've seen <laughs> Scanner Darkly, I've seen this, and I've seen School of Rock, and honestly, all three of those films, you put a gun to my head, I would swore was from a different director. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you Have you seen Waking Life? Mm-mm. I feel like we both watched that. No. Nope. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I I don't know what to make of his catalog. When I think of Linklater, I think of the guy who does kind of the embedded filmmaking, right? Where he yep. takes camera over the course of 20 years of people's lives and he creates film showing the progression or 60 or 40 years. I don't know how long it is, but yeah. he's a lot more or, or maybe a lot less than that. I don't know. It's, it's weird because he does... The thing that blew my mind is School of Rock. I had no idea he directed that. Mm-hmm. Because it's... It's just not what I think of when I think of him. So no. I, I don't I don't know. I guess I don't have a very good handle on his catalog either because it's so varied. I definitely want to see the uh before trilogy. Everyone says that's great. And then uh Boyhood. Those are the ones that I mm-hmm. I, de- I think if you see that you probably have a much better handle on us. Maybe I start with Boyhood first. Um uh, well, should we get? I mean, we've just been kind of talking our opinion. Should we get into details? So I give these people a spoiler, you know, a oh, spoiler yeah. warning and uh, uh, what this film is about. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back with more Bald Move. 
This film is very easy to summarize. It is set in Austin, Texas, on May 1976, on the very last day of school. And it tells the 24-hour tale of the 8th graders who are becoming freshmen, the seniors who are becoming unschooled, and the juniors who are becoming seniors. Oh, right? I thought there was at least... A couple scenes. No, I guess it's just Matthew McConaughey. Um, and you got yeah, <laughs> Which the, the juniors in, who are yeah out of school yeah, for a while. The juniors who are becoming seniors, or the seniors who are repeating their class. I guess that's where mm-hmm. I you know there's that, a couple. It's 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 just a couple of other asterisks around, but it's about yeah, uh, ju- you know, uh, sophomores, juniors, get the fuck out of here, don't care about you. It's all about those extremes, mm-hmm. and uh, that's 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 all you need to know about this movie. Uh, you're either kind of in or you're out. I was thinking of the psychology of when the hazing happens. So if you're trying to terrorize the freshmen as much as possible, it feels like they got it right. You wouldn't want to do it first day of them being freshmen because then they don't have the summer to dread becoming freshmen. You want to do it on the last day of school, right? Yeah. Their, their last day of junior high. Mm-hmm. I think and the I think way they, they did it, it maximum the terror. way they the way they did it where they roll up in like a truck with a loudspeaker and address all right you eighth grade fucks <laughs> as soon as you go out of your and it's like um that's the thing is like when I was in high school in the 90s early 90s all of that at least in Indiana had stopped like a decade like even when I mm-hmm. talked to my dad because mm-hmm. he had a paddle a senior paddle um but it was even like that was more ceremonial like you might like give your like a you know your younger brother is coming in like a couple playful swats but like the actual like paddling someone till their ass is glowing red just just didn't even really happen and i guess (laughs) uh according to richard linklater this persisted in texas uh, and some pockets of texas this like this kind of like high school fraternity culture into the 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 like the early 80s but like i can't think of and, and, and even even then, I heard it was more confined to like, yeah, like maybe the football team would do some hazing or if you were part of a particular club. Mm-hmm. But like just in, so like that stuff was wild and hard to relate to the idea that as a teenager, as a freshman, you would dread the entire summer getting found and bullied, beat up, beat by these goddamn soft as, as seniors. Yeah, I mean. I I certainly never experienced anything like this, and I I I'm sure there are places where it still happens, isolated incidents, but like certainly nothing on this scale. But I did like I feel like the difference between my experience and my son's experience is like there is still occasionally bullying, but it's mm-hmm. much much less, um, and it's not tolerated like. Whereas in this, you know, in the 70s and, and even when I was growing up, arguably, um, the teachers didn't do much to stop it. It's kind of like, you know, uh, figure it out, guys. You're in high school now or mm-hmm. it's a rite of passage, right? Like these seniors who are beating these soft freshmen's asses were the freshmen getting their asses beat four years ago. And the idea is like you're getting your asses paddled. If you're a girl, you're running around in the dirt. You're being degraded in a sexual way because, of course, um, it's like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hate it now, but in four years when you're ruling the roost, then you're gonna have your fun. Um, and it's assuming you're insane, a sadistic but... fuck like these people, and that's that's the thing. I I don't have that bone in my body. I I know there are a lot I... of people who do though, so this I feel is relatable to some people. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have no desire to cause other people pain. Uh, so I look at it, and I'm just like. I wouldn't perpetuate this. There'd be no chance I'd be doing this as a senior. Yeah. And there's a, no you can see this paddle me. The, the, um, what it was. So did you notice any differences? Cause I, I don't, did you go to high school? I went, no, I went to like half of, I went to one half of one grade of high school and then I did so homeschooling. So first semester freshman year, no ass paddling. Uh-huh. Did you did you cuz like I don't two, two semesters I think. I got to say I was probably a junior before I was aware of like how pervasive the drinking and al- and drug culture was in our high school because 
Interesting. I was the weird cult kid that was like super mm-hmm. straight edge, not because I was a straight edge guy, but that's just the way, you know, that's just the way. Well, you always had to say no old. to the parties, right? You weren't allowed to go to them. So people would yeah. ask you and people would assume, man, eh, you're not down for anything. And also like they hide, like the, like kids hide stuff from other kids that they think are going to like narc on them and stuff. Uh-huh. And I never, I would, I don't, I don't have a narc bone in my body, but, Same here. but like, what are you going to do? Take a, take a chance on the weird, weird religious kid. So like, I, I <laughs> right, didn't find out goes until, to study all uh when it goes to like the library when you're doing halloween or christmas events yeah, sex ed things like kid that kid who sits down during the pledge of allegiance no you're not gonna right right i'm not gonna bring um, them into your club come on and i guess it's like according to jack it's super prevent but it's all vaping like i guess the the bathrooms are just like vaporiums now um yeah that makes sense but it's a lot harder to like get out of school. Like all the doors are locked. There's only one entrance. You can't just like sneak out. Like I remember there's a loading dock at my high school. Like that was like down a long hallway where it's just a shop classes, you know, uh, you could get at that and like kids could sneak a smoke or and it's just, I don't know. School's a lot more buttoned down and controlled, but I think that's a lot of that's good mm-hmm. because maybe schools are too out of control in the certainly seventies <laughs> and the nineties. Certainly in this movie. I, I the thing that bugged me the most about all this hazing stuff is the way that it was sort of endorsed by the townspeople. Like, everybody in the community endorsed the hazing that was happening here. The teachers, like, I, With what? the hilariously named Mr. Payne, uh-huh. uh, doesn't give a shit that his kids are getting paddled. In fact, he kind of revels in it. And he's like, it's funny because he's like, in the context, he's a Vietnam War vet. And he's like, uh-huh. I'm going to tell you the same thing my CO said before sending us out in the jungle. I'm going to send 100 out of you and 50 are going to not come out, come back. And it's like, yeah, there's this idea of like, back. hey, we had a certain amount of pain in our upbringing. And by God, you will too. That's so fucked. That's so fucked. I don't think you, pain is required to make a decent human being out of people. Uh, but what do well, I know? I mean, I'll even say it. Pain is inevitable as a human being. The idea that you seek out extra, what the fuck, Uh you know? You know what? I didn't have enough helping of pain assigned to me at birth. Could could I please have some more? Could I could I volunteer for some more pain? It seems it seems insane. Uh, You mentioned shop classes. There's one shot of a shop class where they're making like wooden bongs or whatever. Uh Uh, Roy Cochran, I guess, is is helping one of his friends make a bong. Do shop classes exist in the way that they did back then? I mean, what the hell is shop class now? Is it no, changing the battery actually, out on an iPhone and nope. fucking fixing an e an electric vehicle? Like my son's high school doesn't have shop. What they do is they have Golden Oaks, which is like this parallel high school that's next door. That's essentially vocational school that you can start okay. taking like from the time you're a sophomore. But what are you learning how to fix? Because nothing is fixable these days. Everything is proprietary. Everything like. You're not going to fix a car in shop class. Like, I guess you could learn to build a bookshelf, but they definitely in shop. So like they don't, I was saying they don't have shop. They have like auto repair. They've got AutoCAD classes. They've got, I don't even think they have like basic woodworking. They don't, like I said, they don't have shop. They have like electrical in, you know, uh, but it's, yeah, there's, I would have absolutely taken a shop class. Uh, well, 40 year old me would love to take a shop class in high school. 16 year old me never would have it's so funny because i that's i'm the same way i was forced to and i'm glad because right. i learned a fu- i learned a fucking lot and by the time i got later in life where i wanted to do some and like i kind of had some of the basics already already mm-hmm. done you know um yeah there's no homeschooling shop class <laughs> surprise yeah. surprise well, i mean in high school there's not like you don't get shop you don't get home ec no more i can't believe the stuff that yeah, they yeah. don't have in high school anymore but, uh, right. Well, we're not preparing people to live day to day to be adults. We're preparing people to fit into our industries, to to fit into our economy. And that does not include learning how to make an omelet for yourself, learning how to mend your own clothes. You work a job so you can go buy new clothes when yours get bad. Uh, the other thing I can't really identify with in this movie is the general soul searching that all these kids do. I don't know if I'm just a particularly or was at that age, a particularly unintrospective kid, but I had very clear paths toward my future that I was working toward. Not because I had internalized, like I had looked inside myself and saw who I wanted to be. It's more because I was in situations that I didn't want to be in. 
And so Mm -hmm. like getting out of that cult, right? It was like, I know I don't want to be a part of this. I cannot wait until I'm old enough to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And so I never felt like I had to look internally and see who am I, Um, which I've done, you know, at various times in my life since. But as a teenager, I was never considering like, am I charting a path forward that's going to make me the man I want to be? I was just kind of moving toward a goal that I had that was given to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, but not in the way that they're talking about, like, like following the rules. That that's not what I mean. It's more like I was in a set of circumstances I didn't want to be in, so that was my goal: get out of those. No, I can relate to that because that's I. And, but I do think we're the exceptions because I relate to that too. And I wasn't trying to get out of the cult. I was trying to get out of my mom's influence because I believed in the cult, but I thought my mom took it too far. She was just like, I'm going to be gotcha. a more liberal yeah. Jehovah's Witness. I'll watch a rated R movie or two. <laughs> but um, the, the the tight control she had over is what I was trying to escape. Um, but like, you know, I've talked to enough young people that like, I feel like people like you and I are the exception that we kind of had very strong feelings about kind of like what careers we wanted to go towards, what kind of paths in life. Cause there's a lot of kids that just like, and I don't know why I get, uh, cause people have remarked about like, man, I wish I had a clear idea from blah. And I'm like, I don't know what I did to get that other than, yeah, I had a fire lit under me that I had to get out. Uh, I need a job to get out. Uh, what's a good job that I'm interested in do. And, and I happen to be interested in compute. I don't know. Like I, I want to be either and comic book artist. Place, I, had, I had two dreams, comic book artist and computer programmer. I didn't think comic book artists would pay the bills. So I went into computer sure. programming and it probably wouldn't have. Uh, well, it was, it was a very time and place thing there too, right? Like you nowadays, you have to go to school uh, and you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars in order to get a degree to get you in the door with computer science. Uh, Mm -hmm. and programming back in our day that was not true you could literally learn everything you wanted to know everything you needed to know on the internet in your spare time you could build a few websites for yourself and you could turn that into a career and i think that's what we both did Mm -hmm. that was luck if we were not into the thing that was becoming the thing of like for decades now we would have been kind of so we could have been sol right you could have been like well i haven't found my path as a teenager and now I'm out here in the workforce just trying to get by and that's kind of where I'm stuck. Yeah, I can see like the fact that you you get to be 17, 18 and like you're doing teenage things because I did teenage things, playing video games, hanging out with my friends. But I also did the programming because I liked it and it's a marketable skill. But what if none of the things I like doing had an immediate application? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Like he liked just hooking up with high school chicks. That's not a career. (laughs) I'm sorry to say. No, I guess you could. I guess you could be like a pornographer or something, but very few people do that. Man, I want to talk about that too. Matthew McConaughey is sh- way shockingly creepier than I thought he'd be in this movie. I thought oh, he'd be a lot more attractive. Yeah. And everyone talks no. about how cute he is and all that, but he I, is. Um, and I don't know if he was like seventies hot in this movie because obviously Matthew McConaughey is a good looking guy, but sure. everything about the way his face, his hair, his creepy <laughs> attitude. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because, like, um, you know, you watch movies like this and you meditate about how society has gone and, like, how much resistance there's been to things like, you know, I, I remember when I was, like, 10, 15 years ago and I did the word, like, rape culture, you know, had had entered into the lexicon. And, like, there's a visceral reaction for a lot of people being, like, that's, that's such an overstated case. And, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But it's, like... I kind of think I I realized something watching this movies is like one of the reasons I think your average guy when I heard about rape culture didn't identify with it is because I think a lot of us guys were being honest viewed things like sexual assault and rape and pushing girls too far the way Raylan does murdering uh, criminals mm-hmm. um, like he, he, he doesn't think it's wrong he thinks it's distasteful. Sure. I feel like a lot of us guys kind of like rolled through thinking that these things are like it's distasteful. But if you got a friend or a buddy or acquaintance, it's like, ah, you shouldn't do that because you might get in jail. But like there's there was never any thought given to like the woman side or like anything other than just the consequences. No, even and in the 90s. I mean, I dude, some some of the people I knew. Yeah, had no regard for that whatsoever. 
And it's really sobering to go back and do a personal inventory of like thinking of interactions you had in high school and things that like, oh, that guy's probably just joking, right? And like, oh God, no, he probably wasn't joking. Yeah. And how like there's this guy who's in this movie who's just like, this is his plan. Like, I love high school girl. I mean, it's a it's a it's an insane line, but it's extremely <laughs> honest because he's like, that's what I love about these high school girls is they keep I, I keep Ugh. getting older and they stay the same age. Mm-hmm. And that's his mm-hmm. plan. He's just going to go and prey upon easily impressionable girls who will do or say anything to get approval of an older male figure that people think is cool. And I don't know, it's kind of, it laid bare the whole thing in a way that I kind of surprised me. Or maybe it's just like I'm putting all the mm-hmm. pieces together and this like throwback to like a time which I can honestly relate to some of the things, and the and, but yet you know, with the benefit of like, you know, a, the, a lot more life experience. It's something that really took me aback. It's just how like, yeah, again, with the movie, I, I, I and I think in the 90s, people probably looked at McConaughey differently. But like the movie never changed. It doesn't feel dated because the movie has no opinion on what he's doing. Like, I, yeah, I had an opinion on what he's know. doing. I guess maybe like film critics and pe- people in in the cultural circles that were becoming aware of that stuff in the 90s. Yeah, definitely they have an opinion that probably differs from most people who watched this movie at the time. But I think it was largely still acceptable in the 90s. Or Even or Roger Ebert. Not, not his- as distasteful as it is now, certainly. Yeah. Um, and even Roger Ebert, like when he's talking about McConaughey's character, he talks about him being sad and pathetic. Which but not is. that he's a rapist yeah, or yeah. that he's, you know, going, picking up a temporary poti- review. Yeah. Yeah. Or potentially mm-hmm. picking up 14. Cause that's when we're talking about freshman girls in high school, we're talking about girls who are 13, 14 years old. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the, I feel like the, the worst thing that we, I don't think he ever picks up a freshman. Not that it makes it any better necessarily, but like, uh, I think the the one he's hitting on is going into senior year, I, but she's got to be like 16, 17. Oh, so she's 17, six, yeah, 16, right. 17. Um, and this is kind of what I mean by I think there are different concerns in high school now. If I had to guess, I don't I don't directly know any of this stuff, but like I feel like that's much more out in the open. Like, oh, you, yeah, I think we cannot get away with this type of shit. And even in high school. Oh, uh, no. so now the concern is not like. The the concerns have changed, and I think probably for the better, honestly, unless we're talking about guns, and then we're we're right back into the shit again. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I think it has definitely been progress made on the distasteful front, especially with the generation. Because, like, this, yeah, the the accountability and the visibility of that stuff is way, way up. And I think social Um, media helped a huge amount with that. Exactly, right. You know, it's hurt in other ways, but it definitely helped there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I was surprised because I, um, you know, to see McConaughey because I'd heard all, you know, I, this is obviously something, uh, this role is semi-famous, pretty famous. Uh, and I knew it was coming up and I kept on waiting. And by the time McConaughey showed up, I'd almost forgot he's in it because you're like halfway through mm-hmm. the movie. And then, you you know, it's like he hits you immediately. The, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay. But I, yeah, I was surprised at like what a kind of a, a fucking creep he was. Huge creep. Huge, and again, it's, I didn't get that because anyone in the movie told me that. It's just like you just watch the guy, and it is pathetic. It is sad, but you know, also cream, criminal and deviant. Um, yeah, I don't know who's sadder in this movie, Affleck or McConaughey. Um, they're both sad in different ways. Because man, the the scenes that really stuck out to me were most of the scenes around O'Banion. Who, yeah. They, they they hit you right away. They tell you he just flunked. So mm-hmm. he's not even going to be a senior, right? And the he's way the kids are talking be behind his back. Uh-huh. Even, even his tell. quote unquote, friends. Like, uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I think the idea is he is a senior. He's repeating his senior year. Am I wrong on that? Um... Because I didn't think they they, they don't prevent you from yeah. going to grades in high school. You keep going to grades as you don't graduate when you that get might to the be senior. True, which makes it even more bizarre that he's done this twice. Is what I thought, and like he is super, like you know, he's like kind of like the this king. Is his second year doing it, I thought, yeah, and like 
but but you can see you can see all of the anger in him at his situation manifesting as this glee to torture these children right it's yes it's pathetic i mean that's absolutely a word for it but it's also super sad because i think this guy is about to get stuck in this pit of anger and self-wallowing that's like you gotta consume him you can see i it. think that you can see his life the next 20 years the, the, until his death he's going to be looking back on this moment and being like oh i'm so fucking mad i got i didn't get through that grade i can't believe this teacher gave me this shit grade i didn't deserve that and he's gonna blame every single thing that goes wrong in his life on this moment and it's a weird like yeah so this is my favorite part of the movie because i was i you know i went from like oh my god these freshmen are going to get killed to like oh my god that's hilarious i was laughing so hard when the paint hit and like you know they had to start and then like there's this like they just stayed on affleck as he's just going mm-hmm. through this like like a wounded animal trying to like save his pride. And I, I, I went from out. like, yeah, from laughing out loud to just being like profoundly sad that this is mm-hmm. like, it's still a kid. And like, yeah, like I, I'm watching an 18 year old's life be over essentially. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. Now, I don't yeah. know. Maybe he goes to therapy and uh, he, he gets whatever, you know, is holding him back in terms of uh, academic success and he becomes, makes something of himself. But like at that point in time, it just, yeah, it was. Because the other thing is, like, he thinks he's this big man on campus, but no one likes him either. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea. I think the thing that really galled him is he started, like, to, to, go, to go to Mitch. Like, oh, here's a freshman. I'm going to, like, vent this my, my spleen on him. And, like, the other kids, I don't think they would have taken it. Like, you could kind of get the tenor. It's like, well, you, Mitch has already been through it, and we think he's kind of cool now. Mm-hmm. And when that energy changed, he just didn't know what to do with himself. And it, yeah, it was it was sad. Like, you know, fuck Ben Affleck, but and, also... And I, I watched his sad. friends handle him this entire mm, movie, right? I watched mm-hmm. his friends redirect his energy yes. to places that they... that they're more comfortable with. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, his, that's the sad thing too, right? Even his friends aren't willing to say, whoa, you're, you're going too far here, man. They, they soft pedal that stuff. And they let him get away with so much without confronting what's really bugging him. It's not it's not about wanting to get these freshmen real bad because it's fun. It's mm-hmm. about his anger at being a failure. Mm-hmm. And, and watching it's, his friends try and handle that is fascinating, I think. But on the other in extreme, you've got uh, the, um, you know, uh, what, what was it? The Woodward and Bernstein. Um, yeah, it's Anthony Rapp and Adam Goldberg. And, Adam Goldberg. Uh, apparently is it marissa rabisi idea yeah 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 the giovanni's uh sister uh-huh i related to these the most but i thought yes. it's interesting is they're like the flip side of affleck whereas these guys have essentially doing their all the right things but they feel like they're missing out we need to do something crazy and impulsive or i'm going to be a pussy and a failure and I, I uh-huh. this is an interesting too because like this movie is written in 1993 by Richard Linklater. Uh, if the closest thing the movie has to a point of view is liberal stuff is bullshit. Like that's a very consistent tone that like the feminist, perf- the school teacher that's mm-hmm. teaching American history and talking about the patriarchy and slavery. She's dumb and lame. Um, that like I thought I was shocked when I saw that. Um, uh adam goldberg when he goes on that rant about like you know i wanted to go to and and join up and be a lawyer for the aclu and then went to a post office on how disgusting poor people are mm-hmm. and now i don't want to help them i'm like jesus fucking christ like this is uncomfortably honest for like on honestly i think that, that this is something a lot of liberals go through they have big ideas and then they meet the people they're trying to help and like these people are terrible yeah yeah that's why they need help that's why uh-huh. we need that. So, so, so there will be less, less terrible people wasting their lives and fucking shit up in the future. That's like, that's the job, man. But I was like, I was kind of surprised that I felt like this movie had a, if anything, a very, a pretty conservative um, undercurrent of like this, this liberal stuff is bullshit. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. It, it's, it's trying to say there's some there's some middle ground where we don't have to be insane on either side, right? Like you don't have to say, I want to go paddle kids for fun. And you also don't have to take Gilligan's Island quite so seriously, but 
and I really like so so my favorite thing about this movie I think is the relationship that develops between um, Anthony Rapp and the the girl who is kind of taken in by Parker Posey I I don't know her name the freshman senior Uh, romance okay uh there's a wholesomeness she actually has only done this that that woman that the woman's name is uh, what was it? Kristen Hinojosa, and she did this movie and then retired and became an anti-war activist. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sounds like she's doing what she wants. Uh, but but I think there's like a there's a connection there between those two characters, and it's a it's way more wholesome than anything you else else you see in this movie. Mm. And that to me was like the heart of this film is like, I don't have to choose to be this neurotic basket case that Adam Goldberg is and feel like I have to defend my manhood in order to become the person I want to be physically. Like I have to fight somebody. And I also don't want to be the guy who's running around paddling kids for fun. Like it's sadistic fuck. I don't want to be, I don't need to be any of those things to be confident in who I am and to make a connection with somebody to, to me, that was that in the Jason London. Is that his name? Uh, that's pink. Yeah, yeah. The quarterback. He he feels like a very honest with himself kind of person too. Mm-hmm. Even though he get he's in like the fringes. You know what it is? Maybe I identify with him because I am him in a lot of ways. I was, um, yeah, I can see I, that. I when I was in high school or at that age, you know, I was hanging out in the church with many groups of people it wasn't like oh i have my click and i'm sticking to that it was like mm-hmm. you know this weekend i'm gonna go hang out and play board games with my nerdy friends this other weekend i'm gonna go hang out in the woods and drink beers with you know my jock friends whatever and he kind of feels like he can move between those groups too he's just, like good and just because he doesn't good. yeah he doesn't he doesn't shit on people right he, he's not trying to stir up trouble he's not trying to prove to them who he is he's just kind of being who he is and i i really like that yeah yeah he's definitely the probably the most appealing person is the closest thing the show's got to a pov um yeah although i guess there's multiple, yeah i mean this, it's like, the story of him trying to decide whether he's going to sign this slid this pledge that says he won't do drugs right well he's the kid that's got the potential right and it's like are you going sure, to pursue your potential or are you going to let your friends kind of hold you back and that's always something that's hard for young people to figure out like you know like you're gonna you're gonna grow up with a bunch of people and some of those people are going to turn into adults are not great and at some point Mm -hmm. you're going to have to like that's when the man people that cannot do this are just so fucked in life but if you cannot cut out people who are terrible influences in your life (laughs) uh, you're going to have a bad time and I felt for this guy Mm because like yeah, you know, just one of his uh, football friends is like, "Look, you can't. It's it's not just you that you're doing this. Like, you, it's potentially this is you know obviously set in Texas. Football is huge. Um, these kids are probably expecting to go to some kind of university program, and this is their ticket out of here. And it's like, look, you're the star quarterback, which means you fucking up is going to fuck yes. us up. And a lot of these guys, like, it's like he's hearing it from his own friends. Like, these yep. losers are going to drag you down. It's going to take all of us with it. So it's like him kind of trying to figure out like." You know, how do I stay true to all of these things I'm supposed to do? And also, I don't want this responsibility. I'm 17 years old. I don't want to carry the school's mm-hmm. reputation on my back and my all like 12 kids scholastic opportunities. Um, and and there's a heaviness stuck in that expectation, right? And you see the heaviness that he's got as a senior. And I think you're supposed to directly compare him to Mitch because Mitch is the uh-huh. job. He is the new blood. He is going to be the. You know, I, I actually, when I was in high school, I was not good friends with, but I was in a lot of classes with the um, the incoming big man on campus. Like he was, you know, this this tall. He was like six foot five, and as a freshman, he was he played basketball, <laughs> baseball, and football. He was going to be wow. he was going to be the star quarterback. Everybody talked about him, and it's just like it. it 
you know, like it's all fun and games and then until you get to be junior, senior and it's like you're still having one and you're supposed to win sectionals. And then, you know, like I, I think it's interesting that this kid, like the the senior version of him who's just like, God, do I even want to do this? Do I even want to play football anymore? And the freshman version who just sees all the good things that he can just easily get women. He can easily be accepted in the crowd, but none of the pressure is there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. Because like I said, there's like all these... The movie yeah. doesn't have a POV, but it does have a perspective that it try. I think it's trying to get you to have just by viewing all of this stuff happening through the lenses of the different characters' lives. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's really just about figuring out who you are, right? It, that classic coming-of-age thing um, with a little less... a little less of a nudge in a direction than a lot of those movies have. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. I thought there's this is a line towards the end of the movie where it's like, all I want to do at the end of the day is say I made the most of this place I was stuck in. You know, that I... I um I played hard, I studied hard, I shagged as many girls like cuz that's a good way to look at it. It's like you are stuck. There's nothing you can do to get out of this. Um and I, that's one mm-hmm. thing like I kind of I was thinking of like man, if I could work that into a dad pep talk at some point in the next couple of weeks because that's the thing I regret. I don't think I did. I don't think I got the most out of school. And it was almost entirely self-inflicted. You know, it's like I'm a part of it is like, you know, the the whole cult and but I could have, yeah. I could have, yeah. I wish I'd done more like you where it's like, I was a little bit flexible on like, yeah, my parents don't want me to go out and drink beer, but like my friends do, I want to check all that out because just shutting that out is taking a stand and puts you apart, which is probably the reason cults like you to do stuff like that. They like for you to sure, be, yeah. stick out like a sore thumb because it makes it easier for you to stay quote unquote good because you're not mm-hmm. going to try any new experiences. Temptation. But yeah, I felt like I left a lot, like in terms of clubs, in terms of friendships, in terms of. But on the other hand, hell, I can't argue with the way my life has worked out. So sure. I didn't peak yeah. in high school. <laughs> Thankfully, no. That that's the thing. Um, the one other thing I absolutely cannot relate to is having a parent so cool. This and not even cool. I don't want to say cool. I understanding, like you're a teenager you're gonna get into some trouble you're gonna do things i think are stupid and i don't want you doing but what good does it do to come down hard on you right like i made this mistake with my daughter and look she's out there still partying it did no good right so mm-hmm. try a different path i wish that i had and but being a first child that would never happen right if anybody would have mm-hmm. got that treatment it'd be my brother right. uh, my younger brother but having parents who were understanding enough to to realize I'm also a teenager. I'm I'm really gonna I'm gonna fuck up and, and I need to kind of fuck up sometimes. Like if I'm gonna learn anything, I can't be so isolated. Cause yeah, I, I was never allowed to go to parties and I did anyway, right? Like yeah. that's the thing. But I could never come home and tell my parents, yeah, I went to a party. Oh dude, I mean that's it's one of my philosophies is raising my son is like, yeah, they're gonna fuck up. It's just the difference is like you raise a kid in like a panopticon, they're gonna get really good at hiding their fuck ups. And uh-huh. when I was a kid, I went through some scary shit that I could have used my parents on, but I wung it. Hmm. And because yeah. like I was terrified to go to them with this legit problem. Um and I dealt with things I probably shouldn't have had to deal with because it's like it's it's still better than telling my mom and dad and seeing what the hell they're saying. But like my you know, it's like yeah. I my son doesn't know how to hide shit because it never occurs to him that I'm going to go and search his room. So I always had them in the back pocket. If like he ever shows up missing 12, you know, for 12 hours or 24 hours, like I can probably fucking kick in his door and find a treasure trove of information. He doesn't even have a password on his PC. I could read his email right now, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Why would I? He's a straight yeah. A student. He tells me where he's going. Like, but like if, if, if he ever scared, like I don't, I don't understand. The parents are so worried about their kids getting themselves killed that they give up all those advantages and they teach their kids to be master spies. So that when the yeah. chips are down, they don't even know their kids and what they're doing and who their friends yeah. are, and they have no way to find out. That's and like, I just and there's it's, no trust it's short-sighted there. parenting, and it's 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 like they forget what it was like when they were. That's par- the I don't, thing, right? They I don't did all see how parents. Shit. How do parents do it? How do pa- it's because you spend like 
you, you spend the formative years of these kids' lives with perfect beings. Like, children are perfect. Like, you know, they, they, they shit everywhere and they puke, but they're always cute and they t- do what they tell you and they worship you and they don't have any opinions that you don't give them. And then, like, 11 to 13, they turn into their own people. How fucking dare they? And mm. I don't think parents know how. Then it's that they just instantly get locked into the power struggle. But, like, yeah. I just, I, I, it just still is, am- it's amazing me watching parents that just have clearly have forgotten what it's like to be a teenager or be a little kid or something it's uh i imagine it's it's tough because there's like genuinely dangerous shit that happens in this movie um yeah climbing the moon tower when you're drunk Drunk. off your ass and high as a kite yeah that's inherently dangerous uh there's a lot of drunk driving uh that happens in this movie that is stupid and dangerous and ought to be illegal and it is uh so, so I'm I'm torn on these things, right? Because kids are going to make those kind of mistakes too, the very dangerous ones. And I understand parents wanting to try and protect them from that. But I guess like once you make those mistakes, how your parents react to that is going to teach you how you can relate with your parents, how you how much you communicate with them, and I, what good does it do? I, I don't know. I mean, you certainly need to let them know how dangerous these things are and let them know what can go wrong. But it's hard, I imagine, because teenagers don't think that way. Teenagers, at least when I was a teenager, I was thinking about how much fun a thing was going to be. A lot of the things that go on in this movie, whether I can get laid from it, uh, you know, what my friends are going to think about it, all those types of things that a parent isn't concerned with. A parent just wants you to make it to 18, right? Right, right. Parents no, it's like outlive said, them, so it's it's tough. There's a push pull there, but a lot of parents go too far in one direction, and I felt like well, they the kind of nailed the balance here. Like, okay, what you did is dangerous and and probably wrong, and I'm afraid of it, but I'm gonna let it slide this time. Next time it happens, <laughs> yeah, although I do wonder because be I took a different lesson of that. I took a lesson from like there's it's inevitable. This kid's gonna be the high the star quarterback in high school. He's gonna be fucking drinking, smoking. Look at his sister. Like sure, you can try sure. a different track all you want, but like he's gonna have these opportunities. He's gonna be like, and but but the thing is, is like I that you got it something that like how dangerous life is, and the parents are justified in like keeping their kids under this very tight control. But like I would posit that that's a illusory control. Because once a kid gets to the, like a driver's license, there's nothing you can do to divide. Like you can tell them they can't go out. And you can do like other than like chaining them up Rapunzel style in the tower, which I promise you will fuck them up worse than smoking weed with their friends <laughs> in this woods. You got to let them go. And portions of those kids that you let go are not going to come back home. Mm-hmm. But like parents that True. do the ultra control thing, it's a it's a it's an illusion. It's an illusion. And the other thing is, is like even if you maintain that tight gestapo type control eventually they're going to turn 18 and they're going to rage quit your house and they're never going to talk to you again and then guess what happens it's no safer place now that they magically turned 18 if anything it's worse because they can give their life to the fucking u.s military they can take out debt that killed they can buy it's it's just yeah it's like i just i just i don't know and that's that's i spent a lot of time thinking like being horrified like oh my god what my kids out doing here then reminding myself you got us some crazy shit too and if he gets in some crazy shit, gets in trouble, he will call you for help, whereas you never would. And but, it, but I, I get it; it's it is super fucking scary out there. Yeah, I feel like my parents got lucky with me because I partied and I did stupid stuff like that. But I was always averse to anything extremely dangerous. Like I, mm-hmm. I could tell when things were going too far, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want any part of that. So maybe they got lucky with me and not having to deal with you know drunk driving and and really just hell raising but yeah and there's some kids that like i don't know what the deal is um you know because jack started to see like there's you know some of his friends are like experimenting with drugs and alcohol and some of the kids are doing it just like you know hey we're good we got we ate a couple edibles to watch a funny movie and some people are like mm-hmm. drinking until they're throwing up and it's like you know, it's like telling like, hey, one of the reasons I really like hanging out with the guys in Seattle and guys like Uncle Gino is like, you know, we can party and have a good time, but I never worry about any of these guys like 
getting violent or right. you know break doing something crazy like smashing a cop window a cop's car window yeah, or, throwing bowling balls out the window into cars yeah yeah, yeah. like uh, usually people that are my acquaintances to pull that shit that's the only time they get it. it's like i'm just never going to hang out and drink with that person again because <laughs> that shit's crazy and not safe but yeah and but i don't know i don't know how because some kids like i think get that and but i don't and the kids that don't i don't i don't know but and that's the thing. I'm talking this big game, and ten years from now, I might have a hundred Biden on my hands. Uh, who the <laughs> fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Right? Um, but I know, I know a hell of a lot more people that have their kids in religious bondage and discipline, and they get a hell of a lot more Hunter Bidens than I think this approach. So we'll see. I'm playing. I'm playing the percentages. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you some very specific questions about this movie? Please. What's with the kiss statues? I don't know. I did. I, I read in the production of this that this was a very kind of just like filming stuff and kind of seeing where it goes and editing it. And I there was a lot of plot lines again because this co-star of the movie got his lead cut to just like background characters and which is like again think of like if Mia Jovovich got yeah. fucked in that because she got her shit cut down. But like I think that was part of their plot because it's not really explained. It's like it just shows up and Matt kind of is like, hey, that's fucking cool. And then they're driving with it, but it doesn't really I don't they're, think it they're goes taking anywhere. it to the moon party. Well, like, okay, the end of this movie, they're all buying Kiss concert. They're they're all Oh Aerosmith. no, it's Aerosmith. No, yeah. It yeah, okay, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, a weird it's a link ladder I, thing. I, I read a review of this movie that was talking about how much the music is important to the film and not just the mm-hmm. film, but all the also teenagers of that era. And I think it's true for teenagers of damn near any era. I don't know how it is now, but certainly in my era, music was vital. Um, it, and the, this might just be a sort of, it might be leaning into that. Like these kids are obsessed with music and, uh, kiss just means a lot to them and so like they would just do these things they would have kiss statues at a party because originally they were going to that one dude's house whose parents mm-hmm. were leaving where the party was gonna be Where? what are you doing are you putting those in the front lawn are you putting those in the backyard like in the uh, living room next to the keg I mean what are you doing with these things <laughs> what was the plan for the kiss statues I could see them in the woods. That'd be and it's, fine, it's but... also it's also like a a two man kiss. Like you, yeah, you either have all four, or you have none, or Gene, or just do or Gene Simmons. Sure. You Gene can do Gene Simmons with his fucking yeah. tongue hanging out there, the goddamn bastard, or you can do all four, but two, two, and one of them had like a a marching a band dr- drum. Yeah, I... like a Revolutionary War, but they're, they're <laughs> the rebels, which is also ooh. Um, so I, I wonder if there was like okay. some kind of like school mascot because that's because oh. remember like when you'd make high school uh-huh. floats and it would always be like Mooresville pioneers but also filtered through current year. So like okay. you know you would have everybody be wearing hammer pants this year because that's what the big thing MC Hammer is a big deal. It's like so it's like that is makes this sense. their senior kind of thing filtered through the the kiss experience and they're just I think doing you just nailed it yeah. It's a football float or something, but it's also the last day of school. Why the hell would you do that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess you keep them around all summer. So I don't have an answer for that for, for that one. Gotcha. Um, how old is Matthew McConaughey supposed to be in this movie? I think 23. 23. Oh, shit. Well, how old did you think? Like maybe 20. I think he's 23. Yeah, maybe five years because he because I I think you're supposed to understand that the kids that are seniors like were on his the freshman on his team. Okay, because he'd played especially with pink. I think they refer to playing together. So like 22, 23 might make sense. But I don't think it's any older than that, because I think like I don't even think back in the day that would fly. (laughs) I, I have no idea, but. Yeah, I figured he had to be close to their age, and he had to be—he couldn't be like nineteen. He had to have been doing this for a couple of years, because yeah, there's an implication with like they keep—I keep getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The the sequence has repeated at least once, right? Uh, th- there's a discussion about some song being about aliens. 
A, a I'm pretty sure in that scene, Mia Jovovich is playing guitar and she's playing yes. a song. I don't know what the song is, um, but they say the something song is about aliens. I don't, I don't know which song they're talking about here. I didn't either. I didn't, in fact, I didn't recognize the song playing in the background. It's, you know, but they're almost certainly wrong unless it's a Rush song. Because <laughs> I think 75% of Rush uh, songs are actually about aliens, maybe. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I have any more specific questions. Okay. Would you say that we've made the most of the situation being stuck in this podcast? Yeah, I think so. I had fun talking about it. Have we have we have we podcast as hard as we can? Have we shagged all of the extraneous plot points? Yep. All right. All right. Well, then the, I'd say well done, everyone. Thirty years on, it's a it's an interesting little time capsule. Because uh, like I said, this movie came out contemporaneously, but I didn't even think to watch it because it's rated R and it's about a bunch of kids that uh, I didn't didn't relate to. But uh, it's a very interesting experience seeing it thirty years on. Uh, and I gotta get I gotta get more link ladder under my belt. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this 30 year anniversary celebration of Dazed and Confused. It's so coincidentally because like someone just wrote I me mean, out of an email of the blue. I can't remember why. Something about them being surprised of he- hearing me not seeing some other seminal a coming of age movie. And he's like, "Well, you need to see." I forget the two movies, but it's this and some other. So it's like uh, mm-hmm. anonymous bald mover wherever you're at. This this podcast for you. Uh, we'll see you on the next prestige podcast joint until then. My name's Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.